My name is Ali. I'm a doctor turned YouTuber. I'm Taymor. I'm a data scientist turned startup founder. We're two brothers living in London, and you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we talk about life, happiness, and the human condition. Hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of Not Overthinking. Taymor, how are we? I'm pretty knackered, mate. I just got back this morning from uh, St. Lucia. I was there for about 10 days. For what? For my honeymoon. For your honeymoon? Yeah. yeah. How was that? It's great, man. It was so chill. It's like a trop. It's a tropical island, volcanic tropical island. Um, did a lot of snorkeling, some walking around, chilling in like fairly comfy sort of resort type places with nice views and beach, pool, hammock. You know, like think things of that nature. Yeah. So there for about ten days. Just got back this morning. Didn't sleep much on the plane. So pretty sleep deprived, but that's okay. Um, yeah, so that's that's me. And I'm back to work on Monday after having 5, 10, 11, 12, 13 days off. 13 days off. Yeah. What does, what does back to work look like when you run your own startup? Um, I really did like make an effort to truly unplug during the honeymoon. I did have to do some work stuff in the end. I had to do a couple of calls and like some thinking and some like chatting. Um, so a few days were definitely, you know, derailed a bit by like having to think about work but for the most part i was trying not to like think about it. like definitely not checking slack not checking email you know like that okay so do you feel like stuff is piled up to the point where you now have to get rid of it or are you just sort of uh declaring bankruptcy on the inbox for those 13 days no i think it's fine like i had you know, there was a plan in place for like who's going to handle what while i'm gone um i had a auto responder on my email saying like hey i'll I'll get to this when I'm back. If you need a response sooner, then contact Lucas. Um, so yeah, I'll get back, go back to work on Monday, and yeah, just see see what's going on. Nice. How are you feeling about getting back to work after a two week break? I'm looking forward to working on causal. I'm not looking forward to like a few of the tasks that I have to immediately do once I'm back. There's yeah, just a, a few like decisions that need to be made. Um, that. I think are like, you know, a little bit stressful, fairly like high importance, and mm. I want to make sure I get them right. Okay. So you don't like making those sorts of decisions? Because that seems like part of the fun, right? Like if someone who's not started a company or is potentially starting a company is like, yeah, I, I like the idea of making decisions that are very important. Yeah, I think cer certain things feel a lot more like tractable to me, like pro making like product or design decisions, you know. I think I think I'm quite good at that. I think like I I have a very strong like lay of the land. Um, I think other things where I'm like newer to it is like the, I think it it feels more stressful because it feels like there's more uncertainty. Like there's no like super clear right answer yet. Like maybe it requires more just like thinking and talking to people and stuff like that. So I, I think yeah, I, th I think in domains where I feel like I'm less experienced. And there's just more like inherent uncertainty. It feels more stressful. Does that okay. Make sense? Yeah. Fair play. Yeah. Makes sense. So you're not looking forward to those sorts of things. Not massively looking forward to those sorts of things, but you know, it's got to be done. Got to be done. Yeah. Um, but I am looking forward to getting back into things, and I think my life will be a lot less hectic now. Um, I as of today, I've I've moved into your place. Congratulations. Um, so I have a I have a permanent residence. Um, not spending half the week in one place half the week in another like um you know wedding wedding and stuff is all out of the way so yeah i think hopefully life will just be a lot less hectic and i'll be able to really get stuck into stuck into work and, and kind of focus. yeah we should get you another copy of the key yeah or something 
Um, so that's me. How have you been? Pretty solid. Um, how have I been? What's been going on? I feel like these last few days have been very good because Thursday and Friday morning, I actually had uninterrupted time to do book writing. And I feel like having had uninterrupted blocks of time to sink my teeth into it, mm. I'm now sort of, yeah, making a lot more progress, at least in terms of stuff in my head mm. than I was when, you know, for the last several weeks, it's been like, in theory, three hours of every morning is meant to be for book writing. Right. But like Mondays are gone because it's our YouTuber Academy and I have to spend those three hours prepping the session. And then, you know, Thursdays are gone because that's like a whole day filming day. And then we had like two or three podcast recordings in the afternoon and some of the days so I had to prep some of those. Yeah. And then there was always something or other that would feel like it's sufficiently important to warrant taking up that time. Mm. Whether it's like a meeting with a marketing agency or whether it's like a coaching session with someone who can only make that day or, right, you know, right. thing, things like that. Or a filming day for a course. Things like that where when it comes to the book project, it's such a long-term thing that it's often hard to... Yeah, it's hard to like actively protect that time because it's, it's never overly urgent. What do you mean by the book project being a long-term thing? Like, I would have assumed there's some kind of deadline by which you have to have the book ready. There is. The thing with the deadlines is that when it comes to books, the deadlines are quite like fuzzy and okay. you can always fudge the deadlines a little bit. Yeah. There's always a little bit of a an idea that that's the case. Mm. But also... You know, with the idea was that by the end of July, i.e. by tomorrow, we would have a rough first draft. Oh, yeah. And there is a rough first draft. So, like, that deadline is sort okay, of... Okay, so you're kind of on track. It's kind of on track. And now, in theory, we have six months worth of editing. But as I'm sinking my teeth back into it, having done the crappy first draft, I'm realizing, oh, okay, there's actually these enormous sections that need rewriting mm -hmm. and changing and chopping and changing and stuff. I think yeah, I just need to actually put in the time every single day to make progress on it mm. and just genuinely protect that time and treat it as, like, non-negotiable rather than treat it as like, oh, this person's in town and they want to grab breakfast. Yeah, book writing time is basically free time, so I can just uh, like do the thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually protecting it as I would mm. for like a meeting. Like a meeting, something. yeah, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, the, the fact that I've been able to work on it on Thursday, Friday, and like almost all day yesterday and a bunch, yeah, almost all day today has felt really good. And it feels like I'm making progress on this important thing. Do you feel like your ideas are developing as you're writing it? Because I, you know, obviously one of the big benefits of writing is to actually like develop your ideas. Like, do you feel like you're having, you're like making progress in the thought space? Yes. Yeah, I feel like when I'm when I'm writing, the ideas develop. When I'm brainstorming, the ideas develop. I recently discovered Miro boards, mm. which is so good because. I feel like Google Docs and, Noth and Notion and Scrivener and stuff, the stuff that I was using before was yeah. very linear in its thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now that I have a Miro board, which is infinitely resizable and movable and post-it notes and stuff on it. Do you want to explain what Miro is to people? It's like this interactive whiteboarding software um, where you can just chuck post-it notes and text and arrows and boxes and stuff and then just move it around. Yep. Um, so that's been sick because I've been working on part two, which is three chapters about procrastination. And it's like... The first draft is there and all, all the ideas are there, but they're just like not necessarily in like an order that makes perfect sense right, to sort right. through. Yeah. So actually zooming out and putting each idea on a post-it note and then moving things around and it's, it's helping me see the bigger picture of what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the spatial thing is good. I think I, I definitely feel quite hamstrung by like the fact that in Notion you can literally just do like bullet points. Um, I... I I've I've tried I've tried Miro I've tried Figma's Fig Jam thing yeah Fig Jam is pretty reasonable it all just seems a bit like clunky like I've at least like a handful of times over the past six months I've reached a conclusion man I should just have like a massive whiteboard on my wall yeah I had one of those as well in Cambridge that's super handy too yeah don't you find that like physical whiteboard is way better than like digital whiteboard um I do 
but you can't, like, if you can't like yeah in the in the absence of a physical whiteboard with physical post-it notes yeah the digital thing actually works really nicely and the, and the digital thing is good because like with the with a physical whiteboard if you want to rearrange a whole section you have to manually move stuff where the digital thing is like select yeah, all and true. chuck yeah, it around right. and it, it it feels a lot more freeing of like mm. i am not committing to this idea i'm just exploring this branch this tangent right and then we'll return back to the thing and be able to zoom out and see the whole picture and then zoom back in um so that's been great and yeah i guess one one decision that we're really thinking hard about now is the decision of whether to have an office or like a co-working space and film in my house or like you know that Mm. kind of stuff for the company yeah and part of it is a decision of like if you if we get dedicated office and turn it into a studio like we've done for this one it's like pretty expensive and a gen- you're generally committing for a whole year, if not two, if yeah. not more. And given this uncertainty around economy and around stuff and like, who knows, yeah. but of course it's continuing to sell. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, there's a level of like, you know, flex- flexibility is kind of useful and lower costs are also kind of useful, but yeah. like it's all, it all seems like trade-offs around how much do we back ourselves that yeah. actually we can keep the business yeah, efficiently yeah, yeah. profitable while having a physical office versus not versus how much do I personally care about like freedom and flexibility and it's like a lot of these things yeah, different yeah. things are floating in my mind what's what's your pulse on the market right now when it comes to like creators and stuff like that because I remember probably like two years ago it seemed like there was this massive boom in like online courses like the whole, like building a second brain like Rome notion course for this course for that like it just seemed like this massive explosion over like lots of lots of like these sort of creator economy type of type of things how yeah how what, what what's kind of the state of the market right now do you yeah do you, do you think? uh i think in the in the online courses space it does seem to be slowing down okay at least in the cohort based courses thing i think pandemic, yeah because like yeah. like a year and a half ago cohort based course it, it seemed like this was like gonna revolutionize education this is going to be yeah. like the next yeah i think i think pandemic had a big impact just like how netflix and it, went, Zoom it didn't help when no it like really helped Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like Netflix and Zoom went absolutely soaring, yeah, and then yeah. post pandemic, Netflix was like, "Oh crap!" Like we actually can't sustain this growth rate, and we, right. we had a drop in our subscriber numbers and all that stuff. Uh, basically, everyone I know who does cohort-based courses has also felt that, as have we. Yeah. Um, that yeah, just the the appetite for them does not seem to be anywhere near as strong as it was in on Twitter mm. a year and a half ago. Right. Yeah. When yeah. suddenly cohort-based courses were like this thing that was going to change the world. Yeah. Um, I still think they have value and that's why we continue to do them. Yeah. A, a, f- a few months ago, we made decisions on like business finances and all that kind of stuff, imagining that the growth would continue at the right, rate that it had. Right, right. And it really has not in terms of like the core sales and the finances and stuff. Yeah. So now I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> you know, let's actually take a step back and make sure, you know, generally when there's a recession coming, coming along, you want to yeah. double down on cutting your costs and sustainability sure, and sure, yeah. in a way kind of removing projects so that you can focus on the things that are most important to quote survive. And I, I use all this sort of terminology, but like the business is very high margin and very profitable. So like, cause it's a creator business that doesn't have any real fixed costs beyond space yeah. and people. Um, but it's just all these random things that are now, are now floating in my head. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, what's the recession going to do to like creator economy type stuff? Yeah. Because I think, I think like one thing I realized is that, um, I think I may have mentioned this a couple of times on the pod. Like, when you're kind of playing your infinite game, like I am, in the sense <laughs> that, like, you know, just to use that terminology, uh, when you're playing your infinite game, the, of like, the thing that I'm doing now is the thing that I would be doing anyway mm. if I didn't need to make money or whatever. Mm. Um, then the goal that makes sense is to just be able to continue playing that game. Yeah. And so 
the thing the thing that increases the odds of that goal continuing to happen are generally sustainability mm. and being low cost rather than trying to grow bigger and bigger right yeah so it's it's that sort of yeah that sort of thought process these days i like it man i like it yeah had a good conversation yesterday with a tab called a chap called tim pitchell okay which was in fact he's a he's a uh an, an expert in procrastination ah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, in that he researches procrastination and has done so for like three decades or something um and a lot of it was around like the emotional side of procrastination and what are the feelings that get in the way when mm. we're trying to do the thing and like yeah, not feeling like we can do the thing. Something you're asking yeah, like one, yeah, I've been trying to get kind of a pulse on, on Twitter.com as well. So that was really good. Yeah, we talked a lot about like emotions and anxiety and fears and touched on some Alan Watts spirituality type stuff as well. And What's Alan Watts spirituality stuff? Have you, have you come across Alan Watts? Name rings a bell. Yeah, he's like this... Um, people talk about him on Twitter. This British philosopher who... Uh, is now dead, I believe, and who was the guy to really introduce concepts of Zen and Eastern philosophy to a Western audience. Oh, really? And kind of wrote about it in like a way that Westerners could understand. What's his like main book that people might have heard of or something? It's less a book. He's got like tons and tons of books, but a lot of them are just are sort of like uh, archives, recordings of his oh, where he sure. was giving lectures and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I've recently started to listen to the works of Alan Watts. Oh. It's 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 really very good. Like, I mean, all what's of this. The, what's the general vibe? General vibe is like live in the present moment and like the uh, that good stuff, man. Um, yeah, it's great stuff. But the way he approaches it is, uh, yeah, because he he spent he spent like years and years studying like Eastern traditions and stuff. Yeah. And so one of the, some of the things he tries to explain is that like, look, we actually in the West don't have the terminology or the thought patterns and yeah, stuff yeah. to be able to understand the eastern way of doing things yeah. but like here is my best attempt at like putting all the stuff into oh nice that's cool kind of vibe yeah that sounds good um and there was something in particular from one of his uh one of his like sermons or talks or whatever where it, that i've been thinking about a lot um and he starts off with basically being like hey you know i'm here talking to you about spirituality but i'm not i'm not your guru mm. uh you know i talk about these things because i'm interested in these things and if people would like to listen to them, well, then that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, the bird that sings is not singing to advance the art of music. <laughs> the bird is singing because it sings. Yeah. And if one were to enjoy the music, yeah. well, then that's totally fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. The spring that gushes forth from the mountain. Yeah. Um, if a traveler were to come along and, you know, have a sip of water, mm. that's totally fine. But the spring is not gushing for the sake of the traveler. Yeah. No, I like it. And... Similarly, he, his 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 thing was like, I'm I'm here in front of you talking to you about spirituality and philosophy and stuff because yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. I'm not here to try and improve your life mm. because I accept you as you are and you're totally fine as you are. But okay, right. but but if you find the ideas useful, then yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. And I think that that energy, mm. I will, when I point. when I when I listen to that, I was just like, damn, this yeah. is this is great. This is great energy. Mm. I think this is the energy that I think with my stuff, I am kind of aspiring to get to a point where. I feel like, you know, I'm making these videos and recording this podcast because because I feel like it. Yeah. And if someone else finds value from them, well, then, you know, that's totally fine. But yeah. that's, that's not kind of... Yeah, I think that was our mindset like about this podcast when we started. I think we've kind of yeah. talked about that a lot, about like, you know, if, you know it's, it's nice that people listen and it's great if people get value, but like, we're not like trying to do anything really. Yes. It's like, um, 
th- I, another thing in that they often say, I, th- I think a thing in Zen or something like that, which is that if you aim, then you shall never hit the target or something like that. Uh, really? <laughs> that, nice. that kind of right, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That level of profundity. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was the other one? The, uh, the thing that... The other one that I read was that um, I think I think this was in, in in related to some of the procrastination stuff as it relates to spirituality, which is that in the morning one does not try to put on their pants; they just put on their pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. like profoundly Zen I love, wisdom. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, beautiful! beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I've been thinking about those kind of ideas recently. I in like the, it. Yeah. In the, in the context of like making very kind of economical economical decisions about the business and stuff mm, yeah but at the same time being like hey you know we're all you know just, you know just trying to live my best life sharing yeah. stuff that i like not overly worrying about this idea of like non-attachment to the outcomes mm. um yeah it's a thing that we all constantly need reminding yeah of, i believe yeah there's uh the the alan watts like hey look i'm just like doing my thing because i enjoy it and find it interesting and like you know i'm not I'm, I'm not telling you to make make me your guru or something there's something i also came across recently there's a if you remember a chap called mufti abu Layth. yes yeah <laughs> basically so Muft, mufti abu Layth is like um you know islamic islamic like scholar um based in the uk he's he's like a somewhat controversial figure among like certain certain circles um because well he he has some unorthodox positions on various things about uh, you know about the faith about like you know what certain things are allowed or not allowed or good or bad or whatever he has some like um marginal you know unorthodox positions on things uh and so he's a bit of a controversial figure he's also a bit of a controversial figure because his general vibe is like um you know he's like he's he's like this ripped guy like he's he's hench he's like ripped guy like really like shaped beard like spiky hair like tight t-shirt um he's always like laughing he's always like joking around even like swears sometimes like you know you know uh, this kind of stuff right and he he basically has like a youtube like live show where like i don't know every now and then he just does like a live q a people asking questions and then he slices those up into youtube videos uh and and there was yeah there's a couple of his videos where he addresses like a thing which constantly comes up, which is like people asking him, like Mufti, why why are you like this? Like, why why is this your vibe? Like, why is this your persona? Like, how did you get this way? Like, like you you have lots of haters because you're this way. Like, what's what's going on here, basically? And his 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 take on it is basically the same as like basically the same as uh, the Alan Watts guy, where he's like he's like, look, man, I'm not. I'm not out here like <laughs> pretending I'm some like super pious guy. I'm not out here like asking people to follow me. Um, you know, I have to. I have to be very intellectually interested in like Islam, history, philosophy, all this kind of stuff. And I study it and I talk about it on my YouTube channel because I find it interesting. Um, you know, I'm I'm not like up all night in prayer. I do like I do like the basics as a Muslim, and I try and do more. But like I'm not I'm not, I'm not trying to be anyone's spiritual leader. Uh, it's it's other people that like <laughs> seem to put this on me. Like I'm trying to be that guy. I'm really not trying to be that guy. I'm just I'm a fairly normal dude who has an interest in this thing, and I talk about it on YouTube. And hopefully, it's interesting to people. Uh, but I, I really like that sort of. Yeah, I, I I think he's quite entertaining. I like his vibe, and I liked his like. It it felt like a refreshing sort of thing just to hear someone say like, "Look, man, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be your guru, bro. <laughs> I mean, I'm just interested in this stuff." Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. It's good energy. Yeah, he's also the um. You you might have seen this kind of meme of like a guy going, 
Ah, oh, you teasing me, you naughty, 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 yeah. naughty. Yeah, that's Swifty. I mean, yeah, oh, that, really? That's like one of his catchphrases, which has got like gone viral, like yeah. just in, in mainstream like uh, circles of like uh, reaction video. Ah, oh, you teasing me, you naughty, naughty. <laughs> so good. So yeah, he he expressed this uh, Alan Watts type of view, and I thought that was yeah, I liked it. It was a mm. good vibe. How do you feel you could have more of that energy in your life? In my life, yeah, I feel. I feel like you already kind of have it for stuff like the pod. Like the pod, like I'm not trying to, yeah, I'm not trying to be anyone's guru. I do, I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm in. I'm I'm not like in the guru sphere even. No, but to I guess, even like I like. I wonder if worry about that vibe. I wonder if there's like a, an abstraction here that you know applies away from the guru sphere and more towards sort of approaches to work and career and like life in general. Yeah, That's I do. Like, I do think I need more of this approach. And actually, like with, with Rick, my coach, who I sort of chat to on sort of weekly by weekly kind of basis one thing that often comes up is like like I'll, I'll tell him like hey like you know i'm feeling like anxious or like stressed about like this particular thing and like un- underlying it is like you know the sense of like oh if i don't like make the right decision or like do the right thing or whatever like other people are going to think like oh i'm not doing a good job or something like that and mm. and you know like all, all of this kind of stuff and his his view is always like it's 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 very like Alan Watts esque of where his view is like, look man, you're doing a great job. You're you're trying your best. If uh, if if other people have good ideas, great. You know, is Rick's name Jordan Peterson? <laughs> <laughs> it was that a Jordan Peterson impression? Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe that's the Jordan Peterson impression. Uh, but he, he's like, you look, you look. If if, uh, if if other people you know i think you could be doing a better job just ask them like what could i be doing what, what would you do um i'm trying my best but if you have a good idea i'm, I'm willing to try it you know kind, kind of thing <laughs> okay that's nice um, that's good energy which i think is is kind of a nice energy because yeah i think i i think i often feel the sense of like oh and i like i have to have it all figured out and like people are expecting me to like have it all figured out know like the right thing to do etc cetera, etc cetera. Hmm. um when like to some extent i'm figuring out as i go and his view is often like, look, you don't need to, you 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 don't need to pretend like you have it all figured out or whatever. Yeah. And like, uh, if you're worried about like people thinking, yeah, you're not doing a good job, or like, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Um, you can just be open with people about like, hey, you know, like I'm I'm, I'm trying my best. Like, uh, if you have any suggestions, I'm open to it. Like, you know, I'm, I'll take it on board. Like, you know, this yeah. kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah, that's really good. That kind of vibe. Yeah, I feel like that's. I'm trying to approach a lot of the business stuff with that kind of energy as well. Yeah. Around like just sort of emphasize like, look, honestly, I, I, don't, I actually don't know what I'm doing. I'm just sort of making it up as I go along. If anyone has any suggestions, I'm more than open to them kind of vibe. And just being actually totally honest about that. Because I think I'm, and I feel like uh, probably this is the case for yours as well. Like when you're quote, the boss of the business, people kind of assume, or there is almost this assumption that we have that our team thinks that we have it all together and knows what the answer is and stuff and at least with my with my chaps and chapesses i like right. to you know i like to bring myself down to earth and just be like hey look we're all trying to make this up as we go along let's you know open to hearing ideas so i i actually think the whole like making things up as you go along like narrative is i think it's like overemphasized and like kind of treated in the wrong way mm-hmm. um in so in like i don't know in like in like tech I think it's just like obviously true that to like to some extent like if you're trying to do something new like you're going to be figuring out as you go along. I think there is merit to like a respect for professionalism 
and like skill and craft and things like that. Um, I think like particularly like in, in a lot of like sort of um, software engineering culture, um, I think it, 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 it kind of goes too hard on this like, oh, we're all just like figuring out, we're all just like Googling and copying and pasting code and, you know, that's all it is. Um, and like, yeah, that's true. Like, you know, you, you are doing a lot of that, but like, that's, that's not all it is, uh, you know, like, and this, this is not like, a. It, it's nice to have like a, a health, a healthy amount of like, Hey, like, you know, everyone, you know, growth mindset, everyone, everyone's learning all the time, a healthy dose of that. But like, it's also good to have a healthy dose of like, Hey, like there is an actual skill here that you can get better at. And there are, there are people who are really good at this skill. And like, yeah, they Google stuff and they copy and paste from Stack Overflow from time to time. But they're actually very good at a very, sp- and like <laughs> the, the very tangible thing. This isn't just like a, a complete joke, basically. Mm. And I think I think the the narrative in in pockets of tech, um, particularly around software engineering, I would say, um, often around like yeah, like starting companies, you know, all this kind of stuff is it's probably like too hard. Like we don't need more voices on the like, hey, we're you know, no one knows anything. We're figuring it out side of things i think in in tech yeah i feel like with my guys it's like we need more of that energy <laughs> oh really yeah that's the impression i get anyway like it it why do you think somewhat, you need more of that i think we need do you more think of everyone's that. just like very serious or something or? i think yeah a lot of the time we take ourselves too seriously i think a lot of the time people you know will will be thinking something which is counter to the thing that i've just said but will feel like oh I'm sure Ollie's got it figured out so it's it's not even worth me bringing this up because oh, sure, like of course, yeah, of course yeah. he will have thought of it because like He's the boss, like he he knows stuff, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And I think this came a lot to light the other day when I was chatting to my coach, Corey. Um, it was like, hey man, do you consider your, do you consider yourself a good YouTuber? <laughs> and I was like, no. And he was like, huh, why is that? And I was like, oh, well, I don't consider consider myself a good YouTuber because I feel like I've just sort of made it up as I've kind of gone along for the last five years. I was the right place, right time. I had a good hand that I didn't squander. I had a bunch of unfair advantages. There's all these other YouTubers doing better than me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, do you realize how you sound right now? Because <laughs> um, I was making a few decisions. I was like, yeah, I, you know, I, I have these ideas for these videos I want to do, but like, I, f- I feel like, I don't know, that's, that's not what a good YouTuber does. And mm. his thing was that, was basically look if you if you have an idea for something and you do it then it is by definition what a good youtuber does and everyone else is going to start is going to start copying you because you are a good youtuber kind of thing right and i think like in my own head i am just always making stuff up as i go along and just trying to i guess do my best but i think i i get held back thinking other people have it figured out and i think similarly Wait, okay, no. Yeah. Like, I, I don't buy some of this. I mean, you yeah. you run a course where you teach people how to do YouTube. Presumably, you do think you are some you are some authority on YouTube. I think like, I, can come teach on. People, I, I think I can teach people the, the basics to get from zero to, like, 10K, 100K kind of vibes. It's, okay. it's beyond that level where we're now in the sort of several millions of subscribers strategy and stuff where... Well, like every, like, everyone's like path at that point is fairly unique and not... Yeah, unique. yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah. Like, to some extent, you, you presume... You, surely do think you are a good youtuber because you run a course where you you charge people money <laughs> to get your youtubing advice about yeah, how again, to be from like zero, from like zero to 100k okay um yeah i guess well, well one thing i've kind of realized for myself is that i am 
like essentially the the model the the conclusion of that chat with Corey was like man just like trust yourself more mm. and then the following day on the podcast i interviewed someone um called samantha clark uh who is a lecturer at the school of life um and has written a bunch of books and stuff and it's like a coach for other people and the whole vibe of that conversation was that yeah you know just got to trust yourself more and recognize that right in a way everyone is kind of making it up you know that was part of the part of the vibe and and therefore you can just trust yourself with things and i think for me i'm very quick to just almost latch on to someone who has a strong opinion and think oh, of course they've got it figured out oh i see right yeah, yeah and i think similarly people in my team are quick to latch on to me uh, where i where i present an opinion of any sort and think oh, of course he's got it figured out yeah 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 so i think in my day-to-day life we could all do with a bit more, especially me, energy of like, okay. hey, look, we are in fact all making it up. Yeah. And you can just actually trust yourself if you want to try something because no one else has it figured out either. So you want more of that energy on your team? I think so. I think more of that energy with certain team members. And so I often, I often say that to them. Just on a some, somewhat related note, we've had a bit of a controversy amongst the team this last, last Ooh, couple of weeks. Saucy. Saucy, very saucy indeed. Around the platforming of guests on our podcast oh, on mate. the deep dive with Ali Abdal podcast, mate. which is like only a few thousand subscribers away from hundred K. So if anyone's listened to not overthinking and nice. you'd like to subscribe to deep dive with Ali Abdal, then check it out. But it's like, we're at the point now where it is like a, it's, it's not a completely insignificant platform. Hmm. And so if someone is relatively unknown and they appear on the podcast and the podcast could get tens of hundreds of thousands of views or listens, then it's like, just trying to figure out like what is that i guess moral responsibility or line that comes with like being comfortable to quote platform someone right and give them a platform to air views which may be quote problematic in the current zeitgeist or where that person has tangential views unrelated to what we're talking about that may be Uh, problematic in the current zeitgeist right so something like i mean it's an extreme example because like platforming this person is unlikely to do anything significant, but like, would we have JK Rowling on the podcast? Mm. Would we have Jordan Peterson on the podcast? Right. Would we have Jordan Belfort on the podcast? You know, the Wolf of Wall Street guy who's yeah, like, yeah. you know, scammer and stuff or whatever the story of that is. And, yeah. you know, would we, like we've had a few, uh, a few people reach out to want to be on the podcast and want to want to have me on their podcast and stuff who a lot of people on the team are like, no, this person's problematic. Like we shouldn't do this. Ah, uh, really? Yeah. And it's this is sort of a, an area that like I've never quite been in before. Yeah. So J.K. Rowling is begging to be on the pod. She's absolutely guys, begging to be on the you podcast. Guys are just, and we're thinking, you know what, man? Like, come on. Yeah. Exactly. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, okay. So what's I mean, what, what's the current developments? Like, what do you think is your policy on what's your platforming policy? Yeah. So I think I err towards the ideology of like conversations are always a good thing, and people can always like. Yeah, I, I, I lean very heavily in that direction. There are plenty of people in the team that lean less heavily in that direction and would feel more like, no, when you have a platform, there, there, is, a, there is a sense of responsibility to not share views that some people might consider harmful right? or to, to not share the views of a person who has somewhat unrelate, un, unrelated to the conversation but potentially harmful views. And so I think the middle ground that I've reached after a bunch of consideration and writing all this down on a notion page and getting comments from the team and stuff is that if I want to have a conversation with someone, I'll have the conversation, but I will, but I will give the team or certain people in the team veto power about not publishing the episode. If they think for whatever reason that said conversation was particularly harmful or this person's views 
mm-hmm. tangentially are, are, are harmful and bad and yeah, we don't want yeah. to associate with them or we don't want to platform the views. And as long as they give just a written justification for why they believe that's the case, then I will just get out of the way and let them veto that. What if you disagree with their written justification? Yeah, I think part of having a team is, and a, a, partly the reason why I'm keen to relinquish control in this sense and I give other people a veto is that I do trust them and I trust that I probably have a blind spot in that mm. I just, you know, don't feel strongly about most issues. And therefore it's very easy for me to sit on my ivory tower and opine about yeah. insert any controversial issue mm-hmm. and do that thinking, of course we should just be able to have a conversation about the thing because like, why, like, why are people getting emotional about this kind yeah, of thing? Yeah. But actually there are some issues that, you know, people feel very strongly about. And there is, I do, I, I do think there is something to be said for, having a yeah a moral responsibility to not platform someone who has potentially harmful views is like I, I i don't know like this is the place where i've just been trying to really figure out like what is the line but i don't think anyone's quite figured this out because like this is an ongoing debate among yeah. all like 100 of creator slash podcast circles like oh my god how dare joe rogan give a platform to someone who was anti-covid vaccines right yeah and it's yeah. like well in the next episode he has someone who's very pro-covid vaccines but like oh but like how how dare he like does he not know the amount of harm he's causing yeah this, was a, this was a big thing at university as well of like oh you know how dare this society allow yeah. this speaker or how did whatever the Union allow jordan peterson like do, do, do they not realize or like the ambassador for israel was a one that was a big protest thing in cambridge right, well right. like there's all sorts of people who like yeah it's like, what, what, what's the answer? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it strikes me that there is, in a way, a left-right divide on this. In that, I think, in that it seems like the podcasters I know who would identify as center <laughs> or center-right would be way more like, yeah, you know, it's just a conversation. Yeah. Get over it. Whereas the podcasters I know who identify as left um, would be like, no this is bad because this conversation has the potential to cause harm. Mm. And if it's got the potential to cause harm, we should not publish the episode. Right. So like, I don't know. Just trying to figure it out. Trying to figure out where that line is. In the meantime, it's like, hey, I actually don't want to, if, if if someone on the team who I trust feels strongly that this episode should not go out, then the episode doesn't go out. What if it's like, I'm presuming you do actually have your own like personal views on things. What if it's like a thing that you personally feel strongly about or whatever? Like you have some personal view on something. Yeah which is like maybe unfashionable yep. in the current, you know, zeitgeist, yep. social imaginary, whatever you want to call it, right? Mm. Like, is that something, like, do you, what do you see, what do you see as like your role as um, as someone with an audience or something? Like, if you, if you had like an unfashionable view that you did feel strongly about and that you felt like you had a leg to stand on, like you had good reasons, like for, for like your views on this thing, like you think like more people should like really you know, believe this thing, is that would you like go out on a limb and like take take a stance there or do you not really are you are you like a market maker you're not you're not like taking positions in the market you're just like um you know you're just the messenger (laughs) there's a really good like uh u.s office bit about like (laughs) about like (laughs) being a messenger where basically my i i think i think the premise is that some people like had forwarded around some like porn via email or something, right? And like Michael, Michael was like one of the people that like hit forward on this on this email, and and like there's one of the, the like sort of cut cut scene like you know talking head interview segments where Mike Michael says something like, you know, people call me, <laughs> you know, people call me the king of forwards. <laughs> 
I'm not coming up with this stuff. I'm just forwarding it. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't arrest someone who's just moving drugs from one person to another. <laughs> I just says that like completely deadpan. <laughs> so like, yeah. Yeah, honestly, I, d- I don't know. I don't feel like ha- I, I have strong... Because, okay, because generally the, the, the controversial stuff is in the realm of like political stuff or in the realm of like religious stuff. Right. I, I have a I strong... I mean, just any culture war issue. Yeah, which tends to not really be the realm of things that I... Yeah, that it's not, it's not really my specialist yeah. subject. I have a strong view that people should probably have side hustles if they really want to. You know? <laughs> that's, pretty, that's, that's pretty... String me up for that if you like. Mate, um, they're already trying, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like... Yeah, I think I'm a, I'm a market maker in that sense. Okay, right. <laughs> in the sense that the stuff that I talk about is not particularly partisan. Uh, right. Or particularly controversial i don't know I okay get, so let's, yeah. let's use that example of like the side hustles thing right because sure. like because yeah. like there's you know there's i don't i don't know where things stand right now i think no one's really talking about it too much it seems at the moment but you know maybe a year ago or something there was the whole like toxic productivity yeah, productivity versus self-care yeah productivity versus self-care thing mm. and like you're you're like the thing that you seem to pedal correct me if i'm wrong is that like yeah you know you, you know people are it's good to have a side hustle. Like if you're if you're optimizing for various long term things, like having having like passive side income, multiple sources of revenue is is like a good thing. Um, and some people like, you know would be like, oh my god, these like productivity bros on YouTube. Like you know, life is hard hard as it is. It's not about money. Like we're in a pandemic. Like you know, we don't need, we need people to relax. Like self care. Like, is that something you'd push back against or would you just like bow out of the arena? I guess the point is nuance and like you. Yeah, you know, I mean, there is conflict. nuance there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like. It's more them like painting you as like a yeah. caricature of something. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I interviewed a, a chapess called Grace Beverly on the pod a couple of days ago who's, you know, used to be an influencer and then became sort of this big shot entrepreneur, two companies, et cetera, et cetera. And she's written a book called Working Hard, Hardly Working, which is actually very good. Um, which is basically about this. She wrote it during the pandemic, um, productivity versus self-care and how actually it's more nuanced than that. And actually sometimes self-care is in fact productivity and sometimes productivity is in fact self-care and like stuff. Yeah. Um, and she was, was getting this quite a lot where she'd post an Instagram story being like, Hey, you know, it's midnight and I'm, and I'm working at this new launch and people be, Oh my God, it's a pandemic. I can't believe you're encouraging people to work at midnight. Yeah. Toxic. Um, kind of stuff. And then she'd post a picture of her in, in like the bathtub or something. Uh, be like, Hey, you know, just chilling out. And people would be like, Oh yeah, easy for you to do because you've got rich parents and privilege and stuff. And like other people have to work to make ends meet. And yeah, there's always, uh, yeah. Painting it in a very black and white kind of way. I think there's new ones there. I think, I do strongly hold the position that like if people want to optimize for autonomy, freedom and autonomy and freedom further down the line, then having multiple streams of passive income is like generally a good thing if you can do it. Yeah. If you want to, if you don't want to, it's like, okay, you do you. Mm. Um, given that that is the kind of business that I'm in. Yeah. It would be a bit rogue for me to suddenly have strong opinions about trans activism right. or about like, uh, you know, anything <laughs> anything controversial like, politics, of, like yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, like like, that. yeah and i've been thinking like would i would i want to interview like rishi sunak on the podcast yeah if he was if he was if he was down ready Anything for else? rishi mate exactly are you are you ready for rishi is the, is the question <laughs> i mean that could be the title of the podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the answer i think is yes but like <laughs> <laughs> in that i'd like to interview him on the podcast <laughs> yeah um 
But I wouldn't want to interview him on the podcast to talk about his policies or why people should vote for him. Yeah. Because I literally... You'd, like, want, you'd want to know how he's got all the, how he made all that money. <laughs> I want to know how, how he made all the money. I want to know how it feels to be in a position where like people are hating on you from all yeah, right yeah, and yeah, center. I want to know stuff, what yeah. the stress... If I interviewed Boris Johnson, what, what, what's the You care the about the person. Of, you care about the person. Yeah. I, I want to humanize them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, yeah. And th- th- that's the thing. Like, yeah, that's fair. I feel you. But then, you know, that even then comes as part of the of the debate around this like platforming where you know is it would it be fashionable to quote platform a conservative politician i mean if we ignore the fact that like it's not significantly going to increase their reach in the slightest if if the thing that i guess one of <laughs> one of the philosophical um questions that a friend of mine posed was would you interview hitler on the podcast but talk about his art <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good question, right? Because it completely throws this into sharp relief of like, are we talking about like, is there like, w- what's going on there? Like, it's yeah. a, it's not a, an obvious yeah. answer of like, yeah, if I could go back in time and have dinner with Hitler, I probably would just like I would with any other dictator or something like that. Yeah. Big dictator guy. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. But it's like, if I could interview, if I could go back in time and interview them on the podcast, then for example, Lex Friedman, who's this other big podcaster, wants to interview Vladimir Vladimir Putin on the pod. Mm. And I imagine, you know, he's like, yeah, of course I want to sit down and talk to Putin because you should talk to everyone. You can learn something from everyone and, and understand people and stuff. But I imagine there would be people that would be like, oh my God, I can't believe you're giving a platform to this guy to peddle his propaganda, et cetera, et cetera. A platform to Vladimir Putin? Yeah. He runs Russia, mate. He's got a platform. Sure. Hey, look. Right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's yeah. the thing. It is clearly unfashionable to be politically conservative in the in the culture right now okay hmm. right but i don't think i don't think anyone's issue with you having rishi sunak on the podcast on on the podcast would be that you're like giving him an extra platform i don't think that i don't think anyone would like it wouldn't be a platforming thing what would it be i don't know if i mean like a guy who has like good shot of being the next prime minister of the uk i think actually i i think most people would like I, I, it's hard to imagine people like really objecting <laughs> to like, like this is an extremely mainstream figure, right? Like, uh, sure, but like I guess the the abstracted thing here is that like if someone has views that you disagree with, should they? Yeah, so I think it has to be a different because kind like of for person, example, like... if if we did have J.K. Rowling on the podcast, I guarantee some people would object to that. Yeah, sure. And so like if we if we had, we had Tony Blair on the podcast, guarantee some people would object to that. Mm. If we had Donald Trump on the podcast, hundred percent people, some people would object to that. Like you know that so it's it's into that kind of territory where yes for an individual like rishi's like it's probably fine but if what, you go, if you got so rishi, what then like, do you think someone yeah. like would object to you having like trump on the pod because again it's it, it, like it's not really increasing his reach right like everyone knows his positions on things like you know you're not gonna like help propagate his theory about i don't know what his theories are but like you're not like hmm. creating more trump acolytes here yeah i don't know yeah I, I, hmm. like what is the objection if there's some like fringe, you know, person who you are like, you know, who has view- unfashionable views and you are like letting them sort of like spread their seed yep. a lot more. Yeah. Then I think the objection, the objection there is like, look, this person, this person has bad takes and like you're like exposing more people to his bad takes yeah. and these people might be like convinced by his bad takes mm. and stuff yes i think i think it's less about you're significantly increasing their reach and more about your like, almost like an a tacit your, endorsement yes exactly you're implicitly endorsing what they say 
So, for example, when Donald Trump gives a talk at the Oxford Union, yeah, no one like is wonder is thinking that our Oxford Union is really increasing is increasing the reach of, of Donald oh, okay. Trump. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is an idea, an, an implicit endorsement in that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. In in some way. Yeah. And yeah. you know, that's what I'm kind of worried about. I don't know what the answer is. That's what the team are kind of worried about for some of the things that mm. I don't really know what the answer is. But it's just been a bit of a, a thing of like really trying to figure out like what actually what's what, what what's the point of the podcast like yeah 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 what's what's going on here so I don't know I don't know I think kind of relative reach is part of the equation I think content of the conversation is part of the equation I think characteristics of the person and whether they have views outside of the conversation that are unfashionable is part of the conversation um, you and I would say unfashionable other people would say no by unfashionable you mean like harmful and it's like okay sure harmful. Um, it's, it's, it seems it seems it seems complicated. Mm. It's like not on a not a black and white thing, and I guess the concern is always like on the internet, the people who are most vocal about stuff like to make things a black and white thing. Mm. So basically, in, in conclusion, you're going to have a controversial guest on the pot on on your pod in the next few weeks. Uh, potentially, I mean, it's going to be published probably in the next few months rather than the next few weeks, but oh, oh, but okay. may not be published depending on if the team ah, decides okay, to veto yeah, it. Yeah. Which would be totally fine. I, th I think that's a reasonable starting point. If it ends up that like half the episodes are being vetoed where I actually fully agreed with the conversation and like the team said, no, this conversation is not, it's not acceptable, then we'd probably have to have more of a discussion about it. Yeah. But this feels like a good place for now where okay. yeah. recognizing my own bias in bias towards just publishing stuff and letting people deal with it mm. versus people on the team rightly being like, hang on, actually publishing views of someone who has harmful views or has some, uh, et cetera, et cetera, is potentially a bad thing. Unless yeah, sure, sure. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see how it pans out. We'll see how it pans out. So we'll see if we'll be seeing Jordan Peterson on the podcast next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good old JP. Good old JP, indeed. Uh, maybe I can read out a little tweet or something to wrap things up. A little tweet. Go for it. Bro, I don't know if... All right, we'll read a review. I don't have... I'm just reading insight list right now. I'm going to chalk it down to the sleep deprivation as well. Nice. Whoa, what is this? Damn, we, we got a one-star review. Oh, no. On the 25th of July. Okay. Entitled, Sexist Outdated Echo Chamber Views. Oh, hello. And the, the review... From some from Grammaricana in Great Britain is listened to the first half of the most recent episode on Tamor's marriage and was gobsmacked by the casual sexism and self professed bigoted views shared by the hosts. Baffled that they haven't been called out sooner. Wait, what? I have no I, the, I thought you were talking about the case against sexual revolution. I was like, I thought, okay. yeah, I've yeah, got, well, right. fair enough. <laughs> the marriage episode? Marriage episode. What did we talk about in the first half of the marriage episode? What it was like being about the honeymoon? The I don't wedding? know. We spent the first the half of the episode like, like hypothetically planning out how, much, how much the wedding was going to be and you sharing your speech. Speech jokes? I think I made like a, oh, you know, I guess marriage is off to a good start. She's already policing what he's saying kind of vibe. Oh, yeah. Maybe there was maybe, a joke Maybe like that. that was, yeah. Man. I feel like beyond that, there wasn't particularly anything particularly controversial about that episode. <laughs> Mate. <my laughs> All God. the comments were like, I might oh, have God, to go back and re-listen. Yeah. Um... Yeah, if anyone if anyone felt similarly, drop us an email. I mm. you know, would be very curious to hear yeah. what was um, what was so objectionable there. Um, but I think my view on the stuff around like, hey, yeah, maybe you just made some joke about like uh, you know some general like gendered like you know wife trope joke type thing, mm. which is like you know like obviously it's it's a joke. Like 
is not. Yeah. Um, Kevin, Hart, <laughs> it was just banter, Your Honor. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Hart has a. There's a Kevin. Kevin Hart's obviously like a really big comedian now. There's a there's a really funny YouTube video which is like one of his very early like stand up sets. He looks like a baby, yeah. and at the start of. Uh, at the start of his um, his set, he 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 kind of gives everyone disclaimer. He, he goes something like, uh, "Well, I'll do sure. Make sure I can tell this right." He goes, he goes, "Okay, look. Before I start, I just want to say that you know everything I say here tonight is a joke. Okay, it's a joke. I don't want nobody coming up to me after the show talking about who's the funny one now. <laughs> you know." <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's basically saying, <laughs> "Look, man, I'm up here telling jokes, man." Like, oh. yeah. uh, and then he he's kind of self-deprecating. He's like, "Look, I'll say it. I'm a bitch, okay? I, I, I scare easy, you know. If you're in the front row, no sudden movements, you know." And then, like, he his first like bit is about how he's like getting mugged by all sorts of people. Like, <laughs> I get my man, women, even kids, kids, kids be running up to me nowadays. Yeah, he's great. Nice. Yeah. That was a good impression. Yeah. I like that. Anyway, there you That's go. It's a good place to end it. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. That's it for another episode of Not Overthinking. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to leave a review for us over at Apple Podcasts. That'll be linked in the video description or in the show notes. And we do often read reviews at the end of each episode if you'd like to hear yours read out. Also, in case you didn't know, we also have a YouTube channel where we post videos of the podcast. So if you'd like to see us uh, and not just hear us, you can check us out on our YouTube channel. And feel free to connect with us over at Twitter. All of the various details, including the podcast Twitter account and Overthinking and our personal Twitter accounts will be in the video description and in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.